This morning, we're beginning a new sermon series, and we're going to pick this particular sermon series up every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper this year. It's a series called One Together, and it will help us to reflect on some themes that the Lord's Supper especially highlights for the Christian life. We're going to start this morning by focusing on the theme of adoption, the reality that God claims us as His children. To help us reflect on that, we're going to read from Romans chapter 8, from verse 14 to verse 17. Hear the word of the Lord for us today. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. This is God's word. When I was growing up, we did foster care for many, many years, and One of the social workers at some point went through all the records and figured out that we'd had 30 or so children in our home over the course of the years that I was growing up. And we didn't have them all at once, though it sometimes felt like it when the numbers got to be a bit high. But one of the the challenges and the heartbreaks of serving as a foster family is that when these foster kids show up in your house, they know, they know that you hate them. Deep down in their hearts, when they show up in a new house, they know that you hate them. You do. It's, it's just a fact of their lives. And now, that's not actually true. Foster families, by and large, don't actually hate the kids they take in. But in these kids' experience, that's just the reality of life. And put yourself in their situation for a minute. If you're in foster care, something has gone wrong. If you're in foster care, your parents have have somehow let you down. Maybe they're abusive, maybe they're addicted, maybe they're mentally ill, maybe they just don't have the emotional or mental or financial or whatever resources to take care of you. So these people who are supposed to take care of you can't, don't, haven't, won't. And so you end up in foster care, and often you get passed around from Place to place to place. We were hardly ever in the Lancer family the first stop on the foster train, foster care train. Often when they'd run out of other places to put some of these challenging kids, they'd say, call up the Lancers, they'll take anybody. And we pretty much would. But these kids, they show up and people who'd said, yeah, we'll take care of you. Sometimes people who said, yeah, this is your forever home. Well, they'd gotten sick of them, they kicked them out again. Over and over and over and over again, these kids got the lesson that nothing lasts and nobody really cares about you. In the end, everybody lets you down and everybody hates you. And so that's the expectation they showed up with. And some kids just shut down emotionally. They don't get attached because the detachment is going to be too hard and they know it's coming. And some kids just grab after every little bit of affection they can get because they know it's not going to last, and so they try and try and try to be good enough. 
And some kids know that this is all going to end anyway, and it's going to end poorly, so they just try to short-circuit the whole process, and they act out in every possible way that they can because they know how the story ends, and they just as soon skip all the other stuff and get to the heartbreak. In all kinds of different ways, these were lost children. They were people whose lives were defined by fear. So let's talk about being lost. These foster children who lived with our family for a few weeks or a few years, really they were a a clear picture of the condition of the whole human race. Romans 8.15 says that the Holy Spirit does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. And when the Bible says that, it's assuming that that the default setting of humanity is slavery in fear. And one way or another, that ends up being true. If we do not belong to God, then we do or we will belong to something else. And anything else besides God will end up making a slave of us. And if we are slaves, then we have reason to fear. If we are slaves, then we have no place of safety, no no guaranteed hope, no rest. And when we're spiritual slaves, we're hungry for hope, but we can't find it. We're always afraid, we're always lost, we're always looking for something more and not finding it. You know, we today, we trumpet our freedom. We declare more and more that I define who I am. I get to decide my identity, and nobody else gets to be in control of me. I'm I'm my very own person. I am who I am, and I get to decide who I will be, and you had better not get in the way. But as we work out that cultural and social vision... It turns out that all we've done is enslave ourselves all over again. A number of years ago, Christian Smith, who's a professor at Notre Dame and a a prominent researcher, he did two of the biggest surveys that have ever been done on the religious life of young adults in North America. This was a few years ago now, but I think the results still speak to us today. And Smith found in his first survey that most young adults have sort of a vague sense of religion. They think there's a nice God up there somewhere, and he wants us to more or less be nice people, but really what he wants is for you to be the best version of you that you can think of. And so the thing to do is to be yourself, to define who you are and grab hold of that and run after it, and that's, Christian Smith found, that's how most young people thought about life, about the goals they would have, about what religion meant. But then a few years later, Smith did another study, and and he found out that many of those young people who had been trumpeting their freedom just a few years before, they were playing a different tune. They found out that defining who you are is actually a terrible burden if you have to do it all by yourself. If you throw out what anybody else has to say and you throw out any bigger vision of beauty or morality or truth or value and just say, I'm going to be who I'm going to be, it turns out that you don't actually have any conviction, any direction, any vision of where to go with your life. And all you're left with is, well, I feel like doing this today and 
nothing matters anyway, so I may as well just go with it. If you throw out any other identity, if you throw out any direction that anybody else wants to give in your life, if you say, I'm going to be my own person, then all you end up left with is your latest desire, your latest impulse, your latest, well, I guess I could do that. And that leaves people, as Christian Smith found out in that survey, that leaves people tremendously lost. There is no road to fulfillment there. People end up afraid. They don't know who they are. They're hungry for something more, but they don't know how to find it. In this world, we are all lost, but in the Holy Spirit, we are found. And that's why we gather here today. Because we can be found. Because we have been found. Because we have hope. So all of my siblings are adopted, and one of my earliest memories is when my younger brother Daniel came to our house for the first time. My parents had talked all this through with my older brother John and me, and Daniel had been in foster care for a while with another family that we knew, but he was going to come live with us permanently. And we knew the day, but we didn't know exactly when they'd show up. So the morning came, and John and I sat around really excitedly waiting for our new brother, and we sort of bounced on the couch, and it was a long time, and we were very, very, very patient for a long, long time, which may actually have been about five minutes. And then we realized that this could take a while, and, and we should just go play. So we went outside and we got some of our play construction equipment and we started moving dirt around next to the house and we had a couple dump trucks and a front loader and a backhoe and maybe a crane and we were building a road or a skyscraper or maybe both at once. We were building stuff. And then the lady who was bringing Daniel over showed up and they walked through the front gate and she had all kinds of bags and she and my mom started talking and, and Daniel, and I was maybe four, John was maybe five, Daniel was maybe three or four maybe, kind of started edging over. Little bit by little bit, not too fast, not too aggressive, just kind of wandering over. And then he got next to us, and the two of us were kneeling, playing, and Daniel was standing there next to us, and we had this moment of silence. Profound silence as we all looked at each other for a moment. And then I say, Come play with us, we're building stuff. And John picks up the front loader and hands it up to Daniel and says, here, play, play with this one. And in that moment, in that moment, we became family. In that moment, we became brothers. With the giving of that gift and the invitation to participate, Daniel moved from being an outsider to being an insider. When we gave him that gift, he belonged to us, and we belonged to him. The Lord adopts all of us as his people. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, we become adopted children of God. The Lord himself makes us members of his family. He moves us from being lost orphans to being his found children. Verses 14 and 15 in Romans 8 use the word son 
and sonship for this. And they talk about as many as are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And you received a spirit of sonship. And some translations use more generic words there. Instead of talking about sons and sonship, they talk about how we're all children of God and how we've been adopted. Adopted. And actually, both of those translations are pretty good. The actual Greek goes after sons, though. And the point is not to say that the ladies aren't invited. The point is that in the ancient culture, and yes, this was a problem, and yes, it shouldn't have been this way, and yes, it should be different now. But in the culture at the time the New Testament was written, daughters could not receive an inheritance. At that time, daughters could not receive an inheritance like sons could. And so this text, speaking to all Christians, says, you all belong. You all have an inheritance, regardless of what your culture or your family or your social or your whatever background says, you have an inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the Holy Spirit, the Lord has declared that all of His people, all of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are really truly God's children. We were lost. In the Holy Spirit, we are found. In the Holy Spirit, we can call God Abba, Father. And Abba was, was a term of such closeness, such endearment, such casualness in some respects that, that the Old Testament Israelites did not dare to use that word of God. They would never have said, Abba, Daddy, Father. But Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God himself invites us to call him Abba because he has brought us in and adopted us as his children. By his grace and only by his grace, we belong together with the Lord. And Romans 8, 16 and 17 have a whole series of words that emphasize that togetherness. The Holy Spirit himself bears witness together with our spirits that we are children of God. We are heirs of God and co-heirs together with Christ. We may be suffering now together with Christ. We may be sharing in his suffering so that someday together with Christ we will share in his glory. The Lord graciously adopts us as his children. He moves us from being lost orphans to being his found children. And that changes everything. I have one more point, a brief point, but before we get there, I want to take a little bit of an aside from, from God adopting us as his children to how we live this out as God's people. If we look around our world today, we see all kinds of things that have gone absolutely wrong. Abuse, abandonment, abortion, and the list can go on and on of all kinds of ways that those who are young, those who are vulnerable, do not have what they need, are not cared for. God has adopted us as his children, and that gives us a calling as we reflect God's ways to, to adopt other children, to be a foster family for people who don't have a permanent home and a permanent family, to care sacrificially for orphans, to support organizations that do all of this work and that, that advocate for those who are vulnerable and defenseless. 
God has adopted us, and that means that we care for others who are lost and alone. Let's get to our last point. Fed. Fed. We were lost. In the Holy Spirit, we are found. And in the Holy Spirit, we are fed. The Lord's Supper that we'll participate in in a little bit is an adoption meal. When the Lord finds us, He draws us into His great celebration. When we are found by the Lord, He brings us to His feast. Through this bread, through this drink, the Lord draws us into His presence. Through this sacrament, the Lord gives us a sign and a seal that we belong to His family, that He has moved us from being lost orphans to being His found children. When we participate in this time together, when we pass the trays from one to another and we partake of the bread and the wine, or if you aren't at that point yet, when, you, when you're part of this moment that other people do that, you see a sign. You see a sign that, that the Lord is drawing us to Him. It's the Lord Himself who has given us this supper. And as He hands us this gift, He says to all of us gathered here, He says to you, you belong to me. You are adopted into my family. We were lost, but in the Holy Spirit we are found. And through the work of God, we are fed. The Lord moves us from being lost orphans to being his children. This is the gift of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your gifts to us. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our older brother, who came and who found us when we were lost, who saved us when we were wandering, who brought us to you and who made us part of your family. And Father, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who assures us that we belong to you and, and who in his power truly makes us part of your family. Father, we pray that you draw all of us closer to you this morning. If we are deeply committed to you, then help us to experience this as a time of affirmation and renewal. And Father, if we're on the edge or if we haven't made that commitment, then we pray that you use this time as, as a reminder of the gift of salvation and as an opportunity to take that next step, to come to belong to your family. Father, your gifts to us are beyond numbering and counting. And we thank you for those gifts. And we pray that you help us to be aware of them and to be grateful for them. Lord, we thank you for your power. We praise you for your grace. We are grateful for your love. Amen.